it's amazing how the further I go, the fur- the more I realize how much I don't know and that I still have to learn. Um, the minute you think you've got it sewn up and you kind of got it together, um, you'll probably get a blind side. You'll be like, wow, I don't know where that came from. How old are you going to be before you start to experience life like you want it? I want to tell you right now, whether you like it or not, there is a better way to do business. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Business for Builders podcast. My name's Max. Uh, I'm uh, the CEO at Smith & Sons. And uh, look, today, as usual, we want to bring some value. Uh, we want to uh, make sure it's super practical and super helpful. But uh, just some quick housekeeping to get started. Like and subscribe, tick the bell, all that kind of wonderful stuff. And uh, be sure to head across to the Business for Builders Facebook group, Business for Builders VIP Facebook group, that is. And uh, if you're a good sort, I'll let you in. Um, but it's a really great place, uh, you know, for community collaboration and a bit of camaraderie as well as it relates to uh, building a successful contracting or building company. Uh, so look, again, in uh, true form, want to give you guys and gals um, some really good stuff to think about and to consider as you're driving between jobs or as you're on your way to the hardware store or maybe as you're kicking back uh, just having a listen. Uh, and we really thank our, our audience and our viewers for, for hanging with us. Um, we really do, you know, want to make sure that we're sort of bringing to you guys and gals information that can you can really implement and uh, and get started with, and you know that'll help you build a a successful, uh, you know, strong building company. So today, what I'm going to quickly chat about, I've got six points uh, to uh, to think about as it relates to you got to know your limits, and I think you know I've seen enough. In the building game, in over thirty three odd years of of doing this, that you know, I think we all are like sort of kids. We get started, and we have these big eyes, and we want to build a monstrous business. And you know, I've been fortunate enough to be to to have been involved with and been around some pretty successful operators. One of which was the guy I did my apprenticeship with. Uh, big shout out to Philip Usher. And, uh, you know, he, uh, you know, we, when I first met him, he'd only just come out of, you know, he was building bridges on golf clubs and, and, uh, you know, today he's building high rises on the Gold Coast. So the guy is just remarkably successful. And, uh, you know, as it relates to, you know, uh, building companies and uh, the stuff that he's doing today is is, uh, pretty amazing. So, you know, I look at a guy like that and I think, well, you know, n- not that he gave his limits a second thought, but he's, he was very much a, a natural. And I think the harder you work, the luckier you get. And so, you know, I think, unfortunately, what we don't understand is that we need to know ourselves and we've got to maybe understand that patience is a major part of the game. Um, and I think another part of that is to know your own human resource as a person and what it is uh, and, and, you know, that you've got to... Uh, at your disposal to go and build a company. And so, um, you know, I, I think as I talk to my general contractors, a lot of them really, you know, they they understand that you've either got to stay, you know, a two dollars to $300,000 business being a one-man band type approach, or you've really got to put together a business infrastructure that consists of the general contractor who might be, you know, the upfront sales, you know, an admin uh, you know, a, a project manager and a really good, solid, reliable group around him to do that. So um, understanding that your emotional quotient, we always talk about IQ or intelligence quotient. What we're talking about is our emotional quotient. It is how you are as a person, how you can uh, really compartmentalize the challenges in your life 
Um, you know, and I speak from experience. I've had a few challenges and continue to do so. Um, but at the end of the day, the thing is we've got to think about, and I guess it really helps me get clarity and get some context, is that, you know, we're just talking about making money. Um, you know, I really encourage you to be, you know, in a, in a time where things aren't maybe going the way that you want, you might want to just take a look around you and be thankful for the good things in your life. Um, because at the end of the day, we, we do this business thing to try and make more money, and yet it does become the piece de resistance. It's like the top shelf concern or the top shelf uh, thing that we think about, you know, going to bed and waking up. And, and I don't know that that's completely healthy. You know, I know, you know, we look outside here and there's blue skies and the snow's melting and, um, you know, we're about to get the go-karts out of the trailer and go racing in April. And so, you know, to me, I love just getting out on the racetrack and letting my hair down and, and you know, Robin's racing. And so, you know, those kinds of things. I play a bit of music as well, love to play a bit of rock and roll. And, you know, I think there's some time, I've got a you know, great wife and great kids and good family life and a good support network. And so, you know, if you're not blessed to have those things around you, then I'd encourage you to sort of just find something that you do really lean on that you can say money can't buy that, just what we've got to focus on. I think a lot of the time we spend, you know, way too much money that we don't have buying shit that we can't afford to impress people that don't give a rat's ass. And so, you know, I think we've just got to be a little bit more realistic in our approaches and how, um, you know, we see what, you know, some of the times we look at ourselves and we have this idea of what we need, what we think we need to be, when really sometimes we overstate that. And I think we take a lot of the stuff that actually is important that money can't buy, we take that for granted and we need, need to be careful. But, okay, moving right along. That was a little good little good little intro. Um, what we're talking about is knowing your limits. So this is more of a practical approach, but it does mix a little bit of emotional quotient in there as well. Um, you got to know your limits in order to avoid, say, overcommitting um, or taking on, say, projects that are beyond your capabilities. And that is a dangerous one. I have seen that happen more than once, whereby somebody has put their hand up and said, "Yep, I can." Now, I would say that I, you know, I. I felt this type of fear and trepidation because I was doing eighty and hundred thousand dollar contracts, and then I won a job to build five townhouses, uh, and it was one point one million dollars, and that that will put the fear of God into you absolutely. And that was such a massive step up. That was literally ten times what I was used to doing. But fortunately, because of where I'd done my time building townhouses, was not completely foreign. So as as much as it was a big monetary jump for me, um, you know, I was very familiar. I had a great network of trades, quality supplies, etc., and it really did uh, create a solid infrastructure for me to go and uh, build that project successfully. So uh, the first thing that we want to do. Uh, in identifying and managing our limits is to identify uh, our areas of expertise. So determine what sort of projects and services um, that you're be- that you and your business are best uh, equipped to handle. Um, you know, I-, I think that too often we kind of want the-, the the bling and the romance of having these big projects. And I and I would definitely say that I would would prefer a lot of my guys prefer to build you know to do three hundred thousand dollar renos in a twenty five thousand dollar bathroom. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, actually the one piece of advice that Phil Usher did give me back in the day, you know, I told him, I said, I wasn't winning, winning very big jobs. You know, I was doing smaller projects and he said to me, Max, sometimes the smallest fish are the sweetest. And so I've never, I've never really, uh, from that point on, I've just appreciated the fact that I was able to be busy, 
the, the fact that I was able to serve clients at that level, that I could take that opportunity to maybe better myself as an operator and maybe to make a few dollars along the way as well. So, you know, I think what we don't want to do is we don't want to, and I, I talk about outrunning your supply line. I think sometimes we can try to motor ahead faster than what our legs can carry us and we end up falling flat on our face. Um, and so I think that that comes down to if you don't identify your areas of expertise, the type of projects and things like that, uh, you can find yourself getting into some seriously hot water and I've seen it happen. Uh, point number two, you've got to set realistic project goals. Um, you know, I think you've got to be honest with yourself about your capabilities and your capacity. I've talked about capacity before, you know, I think about the 21-year-old Max versus the 50-year-old Max. And there's, there's, there's a capacity enlargement that has taken place in the last 30 years. Now, I don't feel it. I don't see it. But, you know, I do carry a fair bit of load and a fair bit of stress. And all stress is, is weight on your back. Essentially, that's what it is. Some of us are, are set up and have the ability to carry and deal with more stress than others. And it's a very individual game. And that's where self-awareness, again, kicks in. You need to know where your limits are. This is what we're talking about today. Um, you know, you need to set realistic project goals and timelines. I think sometimes we can be... Um, you know, uh, a little bit overzealous and we can overestimate our ability to deliver and all we need. And I was sitting down working on three project schedules today with my general contractor. And, uh, you know, there was, you know, we, we, and it's funny, it's, it's a very, it's a very intuitive thing. You know, I, I you know, we've, we're, we're talking about some main floor renovations, you know, post hundred thousand dollar jobs. And we're saying, right, we need to schedule cabinets. And, you know, I don't know, you, you probably know as good as I do, getting cabinets is a four to 12 week program, depending on what you're asking for. And then, you know, if you're doing stone countertops, which we do a lot of, you've got to make sure that, you know, you want to get the templating in ASAP straight away as if possible, because you know, it takes three weeks to get stone countertops delivered. And so you, you're burning the best part of two to three months on the kitchen. So, you know, it's, it's really um, important that as we sit there and we do our schedule spe specifically around, if you do what we do, and that is fixed price, and we set a completion date, um, you'd want to have the right tools to enable you to extrapolate the different tasks out and convert those to an actual build schedule uh, because if you're just kind of picking a picking a you know a, a duration a project duration, then what you're going to find is you, you're probably going to either maybe overdo it, which is probably not a bad thing, but a lot of the time you're going to undercook it, and all of a sudden you've got clients going, "Well, you told us you'd be done this in eight weeks, and we're only really just getting cabinets fitted now. We're never going to be finished this in eight weeks." So, you know, you've really got to make sure that you set realistic goals because what happens is you've just created self-inflicted stress because now you've got con you've got uh, clients breathing down your neck. You've got, um, you know, non-committal, say, cabinet makers, if you like, um, and you know everything's starting to bank up. And if you have that going on two or three fronts, all of a sudden, you as a person are not enjoying the position you're in. And it is self-inflicted to a certain extent. So you really got to make sure that your project goals are realistic and then they're in your within your capabilities for you to execute at that level. Okay, point number three, you've got to manage your resources, both financially and your human resource. I know that, you know... Uh, Yep, there's a challenge around, you've got to manage financials. We can talk about back costing, 
We can talk about, you know, comparing your actuals versus your budgets. We can talk about understanding, you know, what your fixed expenses are, what your minimum billables are, what your break-even points are, what's an appropriate markup percentage, what's your appropriate margin, profit margin percentage, all those kinds of things. But you've got to understand, you've got to be able to handle your the human resources at your disposal as well. You can have all kinds of trades that have a really weird outlook on how they operate and how they talk to you as general contractors or builders. And, you know, it, it. sometimes it's like you've got to be the frigging adult figure. It's like, dude, don't give me the story. I just got to get that done. That's the end objective. Let's get after that. What do you need? Whereas they want to just go and, you know, blow smoke and frigging blame people and carry on like pork chops. And at the end of the day, we're not interested because the client is what's important to us. The completion of the product and the uh, delivery of that product to the client is what's important. Uh, unfortunately, nobody gives a shit about your feelings, Mister and Missus Subcontractor. Uh, it doesn't make us. It doesn't make my job any better. Um, and I think we talked about oh, the last couple of episodes. Somewhere we talked about that micro care, which is looking after the next guy or gal coming through. Super important that we, um, you know, uh, manage our relationships, which essentially is human resources that people don't get tired of being around us and our whiny sort of wetting our pants bitchiness or whatever the case may be. We want to be a proactive, a positive, uh, a very constructive troubleshooter and somebody that adds value to the overall community, which is what I talked about in the last uh, podcast. You know, uh, you know, you want to be a contributor. You want to belong to a certain community. You don't want to have yourself getting kicked out of these communities because you're a bit of a dick to be around. So, um, you know, but in some cases, we as a general contractor, we, we, you know, and I've made it, I've made decisions today. I've said, you know, I'm like, I'm tired of working with that subcontractor because he's a whiny bitch and all he does, wants to do is justify his mistakes and I'm not interested. I pick up the phone and I ring somebody else. I ring another tradesperson. And, um, you know, that's part of management, hiring and firing. It's just got to be, it's got to be done because what you're trying to do, momentum is hard to get and easy to lose and nothing guts the momentum within your project delivery than a subcontract. As a matter of fact, I was talking to another one of my guys in Nanaimo saying the same thing. His painter went AWOL. He doesn't know what happened to him. He presented a quote. He agreed to start the job. And then a week later, he's gone missing. So um, maybe he's sitting on a beach because he won lotto. Who knows? But, you know, those kinds of things, you've got to make those decisions fairly quickly. Otherwise, the momentum within your project delivery, and you can lose a week just like that. It just happens so quickly. Um, and so we've got to be on it uh, and uh, manage manage uh, our financials and our human resources and, of course, uh, how we execute um, the number four, point number four is develop a network of subcontractors and suppliers. I talk about this all the time. You want reliable subcontractors. You want quality suppliers. You just need to have the ability to pick up the phone and get service. Um, you know, nothing's worth, we, you know, in this little town, and it is a little town of 40 odd thousand people, you know, you really want, you know, we've got a network of reliable suppliers and we sometimes have to do a ring around if we need doors on short notice sometimes we've got to ring two or three of those suppliers to figure out who can get us product the quickest and it's almost like price is fairly comparable maybe it's a little bit more expensive but we need to get it on site because we've got to keep the momentum in the project that's super important um you know subcontractors you know if they're having a good time at home they're probably good at work the minute the shit hits the fan for them socially or personally it can really affect the way they do business so what you're looking for is a maturity level in your subcontractor network because i'm telling you that you need 
reliability from your subcontractors because they do, and never forget this, builders and general contractors, but your subcontractors do make you look good. Now, the flip side is subcontractors understand that the builders are really quarterbacking your pipeline and your workflow because you don't have to advertise and you don't have to do any marketing. You just keep getting purchase orders or here, go to the next job. Here's your next job. Here's your next job. And you're getting these handouts. So, you know, it's super important. I think whether you're sitting here as a subcontractor or you're a builder, understand we cannot do it by ourselves. Um, As much as we think we can get back on the tools and, you know, do it better than anybody else. And I concur with that point of view. Um, it's not sustainable. And I think we really need, need to build that community and that team around us to make it happen. Uh, and that consists of a network of subcontractors, reliable subcontractors and quality suppliers. Point number five, continuously improve your skills and knowledge. The more you learn, the more you earn. Uh, Warren Buffett said that, um, you know, the better your attitude, um, the higher the altitude. So, you know, I, I think that we've got to understand that, the, like I said, you know, maybe on a recent show or at the beginning of this show, the, the, you know, it's amazing how the further I go, the, fur, the more I realise how much I don't know and that I still have to learn. Um, the minute you think you've got it sewn up and you kind of got it together, um, you'll probably get a blind side. You'll be like, wow, I don't know where that came from. So, you know, I think we've got to um, really have a good understanding. We've got to stay up to date. Um, with uh, industry trends and technology, we're only looking at software again today, you know, different, you know, ways that we can uh, project manage specifically. Client communication digitally is super important to us at this time that we're trying to fill that gap um, because, you know, we we know that clients are busy. Most, more often than not, our client base, they're both at work. Um, and so we don't get a chance a lot of the time to interact with them during the day. And so it's really important that we have the ability to give them updates. And uh, of course, we you know use technology to do, uh, to do that. So obviously, continue improving your skills. You know, there's a book that I call, uh, there's a book called Skills with People uh, by an author by the name of Les Giblin. And uh, it's a really super easy to book and I, easy book to read. And I give that to all my team because, you know, everything that we're doing revolves around your ability to deal with people. And, uh, you know, that's that's another skill. So I think if we talked about the skills that we need to learn, there'd be quite a few different verticals um, where you and I as building contractors or, or builders, we need to really have a black belt understanding in all of those, very similar to having a black belt understanding of all of what our trades do and how they interfa- interface and how they work together and how they fit together. Um, we also need to have an ability to understand things like you know, business development fundamentals, financial management, human resource management, um, you know, understanding how we calculate uh, what our break-even point as it relates to our financials, what's our work in progress, what's the level of equity within our business. Like there's all of these kinds of things that we really need if we are going to operate. People just think, oh, we're going to go build a big business, so all you've got to do is win another job. You know, it's a, it's about building a sustainable program uh, in the areas of construction um, and not just go and go hard for five years and then burn out and, and go back and work a job at Home Depot or whatever. So um, really developing your skills and your knowledge. Communication skills is another one of them. Find out what's important to them. Make it important to you. Um, that's, a, that's a fairly good piece of advice. Um, you really want to, you know, especially in the areas of sales, um, you've got to understand that clients really are looking for value. They're not all just looking for price or the cheapest price. 
um, in this day and age, especially if you're doing renovations like you and you know you might like we do, um, you know people want to know that you're going to be there at the back end, that you're going to finish the project that you started, that you're not just going to run off with their money and all this kind of shit that you see on some of these horror stories. And so, you know, um, I think, you know, if you're going to be competitive, you've got to understand that de- delivering construction services at the highest level should be your priority, not to be the cheapest. Now, you've got to demonstrate value if you are going to sell a Rolls Royce or Ferrari to a client. You've got to show why it is that they're going to spend that kind of money. And so um, that's something for you to think about. That's why understanding how you're going to present that message to your market is is super important in helping you build a, a more profitable business. Okay, point number six, be selective with clients. This is where I'll finish. Um, you've got to have what we call a preferred client profile. It's so important because I think a lot of the time, if you're not getting uh, enough inquiry per month and you're only getting one or two or three inquiries you feel like you're obligated a to quote and you have to take one of those jobs if you disqualify all of those what are you going to do which contracts are you going to sign to start work on and so of course this always comes down to your marketing message filling your top of funnel but demonstrating value to the clients at the highest level and displaying or demonstrating what it is that you do different to your competitor um, I've often talked about how in this ecosystem here in Canada, all we had to do was figure out how we were going to you know, uh, demonstrate value in the areas of fixed price contracts, and it was going to give us a very distinct advantage over our competition. Um, so you know, a lot of the time we qualify fairly hard because we understand that you know, there's a chemistry thing going on. I mean, if you've ever been in a, in a sports team or a rock and roll band, Chemistry, you know, is is super important and it's very important between builders and clients. You need to identify what your preferred client profile looks like and not just, well, they're between 48 and 75 and they're successful business people or business owners or whatever, but they are a certain type of personality that maybe meshes with you and it's super important, you know. So there's there's several different layers uh, or criteria perhaps that uh, you might need to uh, ascertain as to the type of person that you actually want to work for. Um, you know, if, you, if you're working for a know-it-all person, that's going to become quite challenging because you're just like, dude, this guy's killing me uh, because he doesn't believe a word I say. That means the decision to not work with that person should have been made before you go into contract, not after you go to contract because now it's too late and you've got to deliver. So, you know, what you, what we're trying to do is minimize the friction. Friction creates heat and it creates drag, neither of which are good for business. So we want to make sure as we develop a contracting business or a building company that we're not putting uh, the brakes on our company because we're working for the wrong clients. We want to make sure that we're not creating heat within our business unnecessarily, that we are working for clients that uh, that that don't create friction within our operation. And so it's super important. So, you know, to summarize these points, point number one, you've got to identify your areas of expertise. Make sure um, that you're not uh, over committing yourself. Set realistic project goals, super important. And uh, obviously uh, goals and timelines is, is really what it's about. Manage your resources, both financial and, and human uh, develop a network of uh, reliable subcontractors and quality suppliers. That goes without saying. Um, you've got to make sure you're improving or continuously improving your skills and knowledge. Uh, be selective with clients. And, um, you know, all of these will help you build a successful and a sustainable contracting business. 
Uh, if you've got any questions or queries or concerns, be sure to hit me up on email, max at businessforbuilders.ca. Shoot across to the uh, Business for Builders VIP Facebook group. If you're a good sort, hit the join button. I'll let you in. And uh, we'll do some more under the hood stuff there, which, uh, you know, hopefully will help you out. And, uh, yeah, if you've got any... Uh, Anything on your mind, just let me know in the comments and we can, uh, we, we'll do our best to uh, return, serve and help you out wherever we, wherever we can. Go build a kick-ass business. See you on the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.